After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Down to Biscay. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Drive for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Five on the Floor. No, I am not Ethan Skolnick to everybody's demise. This is Alex Toledo. I've got Brady Hawk with me. Um, the Heat have gotten to Ethan, everybody. He, I, 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 we don't know where he's at. No, but in all seriousness, um, we wanted to do a defense episode. We did the offense episode a couple of days ago. This was supposed to come out yesterday before the Pat Riley interviews and the Bradley Beal interview with Mark Spears came out. And so that delayed it. But we're here now and we're going to talk defense. We're going to do real hoop talk here. But um, first, before we get to that, I would like to shout out one of our newest sponsors, the Rock Esports Center. Shout out to Rock. They're Miami's first gaming lounge. I mean, I've been there. It's a huge space. They've got top-of-the-line computers, top-of-the-line uh, gaming and consoles. They've got drinks. They've got snacks. There's going to be a food truck at the watch party, which I'm going to now. The watch party, 1027, this Friday, Heat Celtics. Come watch with us. It's going to be a good time. Come watch the Heat beat the Celtics. And after that, come get the smoke in 2K. That's going to be the, the main event. After the watch party, there's a $30 registration fee for the for the tournament. 15 of it goes to the venue. 15 of it goes to to the pot and there's prize money. So if you want to come play 2K and potentially win some money, come do it. If you don't want to just come out and hang out to the watch party, which is free. Like I said, drink snacks. There's going to be a food truck. It's going to be a great time this Friday. And we're going to be doing this once a month going forward. It's a really nice place. And I suggest everybody come out. It's in Palmetto Bay, Rock Esports Center and Lounge. Look them up. You can register online for the tournament. And yeah, shout out to Rocky Sports. So not the smoothest ad ever. I'll get better. Just need more reps. But here we are, the Miami Heat and their defense. The Heat are always a defense first team. They have been since Riley's been there. And once that's kind of been, you know, the identity all throughout and especially throughout this Jimmy era. They've had some up and down offensive seasons, up and down offensive playoff runs, but the defense is always what holds true. And I think even though a lot of people feel like they're running it back, right, in 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 a in some form or fashion this season, I think there are some changes that have been made to the roster that are going to make some changes to the defense. And so I want to go over the scheme stuff first here in this first half. In the second half, we're going to do some rapid fire up downs on some defensive stats I pulled out here. But first, I want to talk about the new projected starting lineup that I think we're all you know, more or less concerned about Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo. 
they're leaning offense, Brady. But how do you what do you do on defense if you're starting this lineup? I, I think there's a lot to be concerned about when it comes to love with the showing and recovering. You know, Lowry's good for that because he's a great help defender, knows where to be, he knows how to draw charges, he knows how to switch. He's not a complete negative out there. And so he helps with the help defense stuff that the Heat love to do. But when you're trying to factor in for Lowry, he do, who doesn't want to be a primary point of attack guy and who's asking for the switch every time a screen comes up for his man, how do you handle that while also balancing whatever you're going to do with Tyler out there? If you're going to be constantly throwing, you know, throwing hard help and at the very least hard stunts whenever he's isolated, what 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 do you think is the answer for the starting lineup there on, on the defensive end? Yeah, I think the big thing is you mentioned leaning offense. I don't know which way they're leaning. I think they're just leaning. They're just they're just literally leaning. But it's not defense. It's definitely not defense because you're talking about that lineup. There's just too many holes to potentially attack that you're basically asking your defensive anchor and probably the best defender in the league to basically just be amazing. And that's what he probably will do. And that's why they'll probably be a decent lineup defensively just because of the stuff he's able to do, the shots they're going to potentially create. You talked about last season, you talk about running it back. I think the big thing is they're probably just going to run the defensive scheme back in a way they're going to like add different wrinkles. But like the thing they did was like, they were forcing those middle of the floor floaters and like inefficient shots. Bam's still going to be there. Bam is still going to be able to kind of force those similar looks. And they're probably going to get out of it in a decent way with Kevin love. It's going to be pretty similarly, a lot of blitzing. They're going to, they're going to kind of, if they're going to pull him into the screen, he's going to blitz out. And they're once again, relying on Bam backside to kind of cover everything up, which he's so good at making those decisions when he's not being attacked. I think love can do a decent job in the post, but how many, I don't, I guess how many bigs will he be playing that are going to be trying to go at him in the post? That's kind of the big question there. And then obviously the backcourt, you have Kyle, who is another guy who likes to guard up. You don't want him chasing around screens. I think you saw in the preseason, there were times where I was like, that could be a little problematic, just kind of funneling everything to Bam once again. They have two-on-ones, and he can do it, but do you want to do that consistently? I'm not so sure. With Tyler Hero, I think it should be – I think he had a pretty good defensive preseason. Like he, I think he's shown that he is really putting a focus on it. Like when a guy goes to the defensive end, he's like really worried about the small things because he wants to be good defensively and wants to be better on that end. I think that stuff matters. So, like, when we're talking about specifics, I think one of the things that they're going to do a lot of is try to, like, switch stuff off ball with him to keep him off ball. And not because he's a bad defender that they don't want him guarding the ball. It's more so that I think he can do things off the ball. I think he can make decent reads. I think he can get in those passing lanes. Uh, He was talking about it kind of at training camp when I was talking with him about he feels like he can kind of do that stuff and get certain steals and make those type of plays just from watching, uh, just watching the ball and watching plays develop. That that feels like the best type of role for him so, so like a pre-switch basically pretty much pretty much like kind of anticipating a potential screen action and trying to switch like that, that type of stuff for sure so that, that's the type of stuff you could do around jimmy and bam i haven't even mentioned jimmy who i think is a given what he could provide he's most nights probably going to guard the best defender when he feels like it in the fourth quarter he's going to be averaging close to two steals a game just because of how good he is in the passing lanes all of that stuff we know but i guess the big thing will be once again, let me just also note, like we're talking about this lineup and because it's really on paper does not look great defensively. But like just because the starting lineup doesn't mean it won't, it's going to be off the floor. Shout out off the floor, by the way. It's going to be off the floor by the seven minute mark of the first quarter. Yep. <laughs> like just because it's starting, it's going to be a quick stint for Kevin Love. He's going to be out of the game. And then now you have a Caleb coming in. Maybe yep. that once he gets healthy, a Haywood Highsmith coming in, you kind of get into your mix of different defensive coverages. But I'm, I think we're just specifically 
thinking about the first five to six minutes of the first and third quarter with this lineup potentially. So that'll, that'll be the thing to monitor. Maybe yep. what's last thing I'll say, because I was going to ask you this question and we'll segue into this real quickly. I was going to say it could get Bam's defensive player of the year thing up if he's able to generate some blocks with the way it's going to be funneling into him. So I know yep. we were going to eventually get to this. So I'll just ask you so you can jump in on it. What what do you think Bam's defensive player of the year chances really are this season? I like I it. Do you? I do. I do. I think they're um, – shout out David Ramil. He's he's one of our guys and Locked on Heat. I was hearing him talk about this the other day, and I think he was spot on with the kind of – he said that he thinks, Bam, this is his season to win it. And I kind of see it. I think it's the perfect timing when you look at, I think, the the times he's kind of been snubbed before. And I think the national media kind of recognizes his impact now that the Heat have made these multiple playoff runs have been more successful than almost every other team in the league throughout this run. And everybody knows Bam is the second best player. There's like no doubt about it. And I, I think people know how versatile he is. Um, maybe not to the degree that we know and we're familiar with, but I do think there's some buzz there as far as what Bam can do. And then you start lining up these other things like Jaron Jackson, who now has to be a whole season again um, without Steven Adams. And I think that, that, you know, well, he didn't do the whole season without Steven Adams last season, but there was a good portion where he was hurt. And now he's going to have like, I don't think he's going to repeat. And also the the guy who wanted the season before is on his team now. So I think that kind of takes away two guys. Not that smart was going to win it this season or anything. I don't think he's ever going to win that again, but, um, Shouldn't have won it the first time, but that's a different story. Um, and then you start going to other guys who could potentially win it. I was saying to you not that long ago, like I, I have a bad feeling like they're going to crown Evan Mobley before they ever give it to Bam. I don't know. I don't know if I still feel that way because I, I feel like, especially after what Evan Mobley said, right, that he's watching film of Bam a while back. Um, the way that the Cavs ended was kind of ugly and, and didn't reflect well on their front court with the way it went. So I do like the defensive player of the year stuff for Bam, especially if, like you said, he can really just make up for the defense and and make it look decent. Because if you can make that defensive lineup look decent, which the Heat have done before, by the way, this one might be the the, the hardest just because it's kind of it's three guys. But they 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 did that a lot in the first season or two of the Jimmy era. Um, I just don't like the idea of going back to it, but I know very much that Jimmy ba- Jimmy and Bam are capable. And you know Lowry, like I said, good help defender, good switch defender. They can make do with it. And if they make that lineup good on defense, and if, you know, we already know the other lineups are most likely probably going to be good as well. And the Heat have a low stand, uh, I mean, a, a very high baseline on the, on the defensive end. We, ex- we probably expect them to, to be in the top 10 again, but we'll get to that later. With all that, putting that together, I like Bam's chances. I think if the Heat have a pretty healthy season and finish somewhere in the top five, and then they're like a top seven defense, some, you know, around there, top five defense. That's kind of the formula for Bam. Anyways, getting to the other lineups, because like you said, it's not going to be all about the starting lineup, but that is something that um, I was a little bit worried about just to see how they were going to get through it. Again, putting a lot of responsibility on your two best players who you want to be healthy and, and not guessed out by the playoffs. I disagree, but I digress. It's not that big of a deal. Getting to the other lineups. They're going to have a lot of defensive versatility out there if they're going to be bringing Josh Richardson, Caleb Martin, and Haywood Highsmith off the bench. Now, it's not – I don't think they're going to be running a five-man bench unit. They were probably more um, situated for that if they were going to bring Kyle off the bench, but that's not happening. And obviously, Tyler won't be coming off the bench. So there's probably going to be some staggering if that is a starting lineup. If you're just going to be staggering those three defensive wings, 
into lineups, I feel like there should not be a bad lineup on the floor. That is the whole point of this functional depth, right? And I think there should always be lineups outside of that starting one where you have at least three very good defenders on the floor because you have so much great defensive personnel. What do you think their base defense will be in these minutes, right? When it's outside of the starting lineup, is it going to be going back to a switch heavy defense? Because they can definitely do that. Is it going to be back to um, experimental Spo, where he's just kind of throwing out a little bit of everything, depending on the night, getting guys used to different coverages. Um, where do you think he leans most? And I, I guess if you had to divide, you know, divvy up what he's going to be doing the most with some of these other lineups, how do you feel about it? Because I'm I'm excited about the potential there. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be switch everything and then Thomas Bryant and drop, obviously. And I don't I don't know. I mean, they'll probably mix in blitzing with him a little bit, but I don't think they'll have to because you have all these defensive guys that are so good around screens and navigating them. Josh They'll mix in the zone for sure. because And that's what I was going to get to because specifically, I'm more thinking about the press than the zone. That's what I've always been pushing. I've asked Josh about it because he was like, the first thing we heard when I asked him about it, he was like, I'm so excited. Because like you put Josh in, I would think, because you mentioned those three defenders, I think Josh and Haywood might be the guys at the top of that that press. I think they're probably built for it more so, even though Caleb has experience in it. I think you kind of want Caleb making reads on that backside and be able to kind of fill in just because he's been in this defensive system for a little bit. Haywood and Josh at the front of a, a, a press like that and be able to back into a zone and be able to cover up and, and move around at the it's top like a hybrid of it. coverage. It's genius. It's, it's tough to deal with, though. And then you mentioned, because it's not going to be a five-man lineup. It's not going to be just like a different one. What did they do last season? Who was playing with the bench lineup? Jimmy Butler. So, like, <laughs> like if you're running a lineup with Josh, Caleb, Jimmy, Haywood – we could see how the offense looks, and we'll—I mean—we'll get to that eventually. Even though this is a defensive podcast, we'll talk about that another time. That's just a lot to deal with. That is a lot to kind of build off of offensively against that group. That I don't think they have to go to zone as much. Zone can now be what it was supposed to be originally, which is something to throw in for a possession or two at a time and th- and kind of mess something up when when a team tries to get to certain actions. You're like, okay, throw a zone out for a possession or two and get them away from it instead of just sitting in it for five minutes straight, which they were able to do at certain points. Now you can switch everything. There's no really mismatches on the floor. Thomas Bryant can sit back in that drop, kind of just contain in a way that I thought uh, certain things he was even doing defensively. I I think he's definitely going to get picked apart and drop at certain points just with the mid-range jumper and kind of that stuff. But he's physical enough where I'm not worried about him like being picked apart down low, which has been the problem, I think, at certain points with their backup big that I think they can kind of get to that. So... For sure. I think as much as we sit here and talk about the, the issues maybe with that first lineup, that's why I'm so confident in this team overall defensively is because, man, do they have guys on the back end that they can pat, throw in. And then now we're talking about a potential, uh, like even a guy like Jaquez, who we'll see what he looks like defensively, but he's physical. He's really good off the ball. I thought he actually moved his feet well in isolation in that first preseason game. So it's like he's another guy that can kind of be serviceable as well. I will say to kind of make this timely, Tomorrow's first pre- first regular season game, no Josh Richardson, most likely, no Haywood Highsmith, and Caleb Martin is in a limited role. So as much as we're talking about how good the defense can be when healthy, it may not be that tomorrow because yeah. they have guys that are filling in that are not the off- the defensive guys. It's more so they better be able to score tomorrow. That yeah, will be, be leading offense for a little bit. They're definitely leading offense tomorrow. But overall, when healthy, they have a, a scary group. And the last thing I'll say is I'm just waiting for, the, for them to need a, a stop and they can throw out Richardson, Jimmy, Caleb, Highsmith, Bam. I think everybody's just waiting to see that lineup specifically. 
and speaking of those types of lineups, because because for sure I agree with you on everything you said that I, I think we kind of know more or less what Spo is going to do with the backup bigs with Thomas Bryant specifically. And um, like you said, you don't you you don't you might not have to do it all the time as far as the blitzing or a zone. You might not have to do it as much this season with those types of units because you have other um, you know, you might have a great class of perimeter guys next to him. I mean, obviously it depends on the lineups. I'm sure there's going to be Duncan and Tyler thrown into there in different lineups as well, et cetera. And like you said, Jimmy. So there's all sorts of different lineups they can get to. And the other ones that I'm thinking about is, you know, because we've talked about wanting to see Duncan and Bam play together on offense and, and, and how they can maybe mess around with their rotation a little bit to make it work. But on the defensive end, if that's the case, um, I think you probably treat Duncan in a similar way that they, that they treat Tyler on defense, where it's just going to be like a more attentive and early stunt at the very least sometimes they'll send two but le- less worried about that and more about like and, and i'm not worried is the wrong word I'm, I'm less excited about um that and more about just the idea of having josh haywood caleb and a group like that next to bam because then i feel like they can become more of a drop team and i started to like I, I really liked what i saw in the playoffs last season that when they had to go to drop they switched to it and they looked really good in it so that's why I kind of asked you the idea, the the, the question earlier on about like what do you think they lean on? Because I, I was wondering if with some of their lineups, you know, specifically the ones where you have multiple perimeter defenders out there with Bam, they might be able to do some fun drop stuff there. Just guys who can who can navigate around the screen and go over without dying on the screen. Bam, there obviously, like I, I think they can they can really pick and choose between coverages better this season than they did last season with the amount of added defensive versatility, of course, when they're healthy. Because I think they can switch um, confidently with certain lineups, of course. They could drop confidently with cert- uh, certain lineups. We know about their their press into the zone. We know about the blitzing. We know about the the showing and recovering that they do with Kevin Love. Uh, like They have a lot of things, a lot of buttons that they can press. And I- I'm excited to see the way that Spo mixes and matches the season based on lineups um, and based on matches, even though he does that more during the playoffs. Um, I'm interested to see how they use that functional depth, which is that, you know, what we kept hearing about. Um, so now we're going to try, I mean, we're going to transition to the second half of this episode. going to do some quick rapid fire up downs on some defensive stats. I pulled out and um, you know, doing my best Ethan here with the notebook. I, I probably haven't written in like a year. So my handwriting sucks, but, Anyways, I want to shout out another sponsor here. And after we get back from this word, more defensive stats. Shout out, man. What that means, touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy showdowns. But, fellas, let's not forget the real MVP of the season, introducing the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped, your ultimate luxury beard grooming experience. This kit is your secret weapon for staying sharp on and off the field. Don't fumble this opportunity. Head to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard that right. 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums. We shouldn't be talking about New York. So go Go to manscaped.com. It's not even New York. It's New Jersey. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. Your grass is not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. Football season. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. All right, so at least Ethan is here with us in spirit there with that ad read. Uh, but, you know, it just makes me feel a little bit more comfortable here. Anyways, there'll be more of Ethan coming soon. But I, one more segment of me talking, I promise you. I'm going to try to loud it up to Brady more and not speak so much. But we're going to do some quick <laughs> – Brady making me laugh here. We're going to do some quick up and down on defensive stats here. And I want to start off with overall, right? They finished the season six in defensive rating. When you break it down, they were fifth in half-court defensive rating and eighth in transition defensive rating. So I want you to go up, down on both. Fifth in half-court and eighth in transition defensive rating. I... Fifth and half court defensive rating, by the way, that's pretty crazy how they they did that, and they were able to, and they were still a playing team, meaning the fact that that just shows how bad their offense was <laughs> last year and how bad their shooting that baseline was. will usually get you into the playoffs. At least it's crazy what Spo was able to do defensively to get them to that point, and not only Spo but also Bam Adebayo, who was not on an all defensive first team. Aside from that, um, I would say. I mean, I'll start with the transition one. I actually think they're better in defensive transition, which is funny because we always talk about them being bad in that area, and the fact that they finished eighth is pretty wild. But I think they have more defensive athleticism on this team, whereas I think back in the past where it's kind of even Gabe and Max are the guys that are the guys that are leaking back because I know usually the two guys in the backcourt with Miami are told their job when a shot goes up is to get back immediately. They're Mm -hmm. not supposed to go for an offensive rebound. They're not supposed to do any of that. They're supposed to get back on defense. And some of that is because they're left on an island on a two-on-one, and it's not really a lot. Like, two guys that, are, like, yeah, Gabe can maybe go for a strip or a charge or something like that. But you have guys like Josh that are going to have to leak back, a Caleb that's now playing guard and not having to crash these boards probably as much as he used to. That can now be the athletic guys that could stop the break in general and get back. And you obviously have Jimmy and Bam and that type of stuff. So I actually think they're going to be better in that area. I think that – I said it before, but the, the athleticism on this team defensively is something that Spoh is going to have a lot of fun with. I just think that – and you mentioned kind of mixing up coverages and mixing up different things. That's why they're able to do it because they have the versatility and the athleticism. Now – Okay. 
I'll say it's tough as much for the half court to go up. Like, are are they going to be better than number five? I think they're going to be right around five. Like, that's kind of where I see it. And that may sound crazy. Maybe we're, like, pushing in a certain direction. But I do think they're better defensively this year than they were last year. I really do. I think they have more that they can get to uh, as long as they're healthy. And that's the big thing. Like, like, like I said before, like, heading into tomorrow, it's tough to see, like, you're going to watch that game tomorrow. And you're going to say, how is this team going to be above number five in defense in defensive half court? Um, but I actually, I will say up for both of these because that's what I think as much as we can say that they have to be better shooting, they have to be better offensively. They are leaning offense, quote unquote. I'm not putting all my money on that specifically. I think they are still going to win games defensively. I think that means there's going to be a lot of clutch games and they're going to have to f- go through the mud at the end of the fourth quarter it may look a lot like last season, which people may hate to sit here and see and watch regularly. But defensively is where they're going to hang their hat like they always do. And when it comes down to the fourth quarter, we're not talking about Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love lineups anymore. Kyle Lowry may finish some games. Maybe he's kind of doing certain things. But they're going to get to the lineups they want to, where there's four, potentially four defenders, above average defenders on the floor. And that, I think, ultimately will lead to a top five defense in basketball. Yeah, I, I I feel you on everything you said because I feel like it is harder to get better than fifth. And then so I pulled up the teams really quickly that are above them last season that finished above them in, in overall defensive rating. And it's Cleveland, Boston, Memphis, Minnesota, and then Milwaukee. So Boston may drop out as well. They Milwaukee might drop bit. out. <laughs> True. To two teams starting could... Dame and Malik Beasley, they, they, that perimeter defense is going to be – is going to be uh, barbecue chicken for certain teams. I mean, of course, they're going to be funneling to Giannis and Brook Lopez, so that's the tough part. But, I mean, they might still be around there, but I feel like they're going to drop. Like you said, Boston, I mean, they're going to have to fill out a rotation during the season, and I think, like, outside of those top six, you're going to have some defensive minuses if you're playing Pritchard, mm-hmm. Hauser, Cornette. I mean, uh, they could play some of those wings they acquired more, like O'Shea Brissett, Lamar Stevens maybe even Delano Banton. Like, if they decide to go a little bit more wing-heavy, I feel like Boston could stay up there. Um, Cleveland added Struce, and they're going to start him. No hate towards Max, but I don't know how much it's going to help their overall with, defense. With Mitchell and Garland. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly my point. It's not – But they, but they had those guys last year, and they were able to be the number one defensive basketball. So I don't, I don't want to discredit them because I think they still probably could be up there just because yeah. their system is – with Mobley and Allen makes sense. Yeah, but it but it still points out Milwaukee. the fact that it's it's not crazy to say yeah. In Milwaukee, obviously, they lost perimeter defense because they just traded Drew Holiday, so they could very easily, very easily drop out of that mix. So I don't think it's crazy to say that Miami could move up. You're you're bringing up those teams actually made me feel a little better about it. And then, um, well, Boston did add Drew Holiday, but but obviously they they we we know the context where they they traded. You know, Marcus Smart is not there anymore. Um, they lost Grant Williams, who I, I think is so an underrated was an underrated part of their formula. Even though Joe Mazzula was like shooting himself in the foot last playoffs by not playing him for a while there, Minnesota. I mean, excuse me, Memphis, who was above them, added Marcus Smart, <laughs> and yeah. I think losing defense, losing Stephen Adams for the whole season is going to hurt. So I think there is potential for them to go up. All that is to say, I agree with you. I think they, the the roster is better defensively, and as much as that starting lineup might might do their best to bring down that rating. <laughs> I'm I'm joking about it. I, like you said I don't think it's a big deal but it, um, I, I do agree with you over on both I, it's it's hard to to go under even though five is really high as it is so next oh what about this quick yes or no um, six was the total as far as um, overall defensive rating yes or uh, over or under 
I would go. I'd, I'd go over. Okay. I, think I was going to say this, just because of what we said before. Under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the Heat allowed the third fewest shots at the rim by percentage last season. We know it's a scheme thing. We know that's their game plan. We don't. I don't think either of us expect that to change. We already talked about their schemes and all that. Do you expect that number to go down, as in even fewer shots allowed at the rim, or a little bit more? I would say fewer shots because of the defensive guys that they added with the screen navigation. Just because now when a defender usually goes over last season, there's like a lot of room for them to operate and they can get into that floater that Bam is forcing, which depends if the guy's just knocking it down that night or not, but it's an inefficient shot. Now that you're going to have a guy like Josh Richardson or Haywood Highsmith or whoever is coming around that screen that is attached to your hip. And I've watched a lot of Josh Richardson this preseason around screens and it's like, he does. He's not really altered by it. Like he finds a way to like. Even if he the screen is a good screen, he'll get right back to your hip, and he's bothering you again. And he could kind of throw off that shot. So even if you're getting to that inefficient floater, it's a tough shot now. Like all of a sudden. So I think those little things could actually help their case, and they'll probably be a little fewer of those shots because now you're probably spraying out some more threes at that point because the def- defense is a little better in that range than it was last season. So I could kind of see the case. But that's happened, and they've talked about it even heading into the season. That that is that's their game plan. Like those are the shots that they want, and that's what made them, you know, a number six defense last season. It's interesting because, um, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you 100. They're not they're not going to change that game plan. They're going to be really good at um, you know disallowing shots at the rim once again, which has been you know a running theme throughout the Jimmy era. That's just kind of what they want to do. But it's interesting you're talking about some of those floaters because I think what you're talking about. And the, the screen navigation is going to affect this next stat here, which is that they finished allowing the 14th most, so middle of the pack, uh, mid-range shots allowed by percentage. So I think if you're counting on the screen navigation um, to and to, to be better there and, and there's less kind of open space there in the middle of the floor, would you also say um, it'll, be, it'll be fewer uh, mid-range attempts allowed there just from some of those easy floaters not being there as often yeah i'd say so i mean i i know we were going next with the next set so i'll save what i was going to say for that but it does make sense that if the screen navigation is where it's supposed to be that there's going to be more kind of i don't know i think there might be yeah there's going to be less of those shots it feels like because they're going to force them down into that floater range and before i get to because i know this is supposed to be rapid fire i think you're going to lead into the threes in a second and I think the big thing here is, and we we're going to see kind of tie in with the mid-range and the three-point shooting, is there's probably going to be maybe less helping down from threes. Like, like they're not going to have to help off as much as maybe they did before, specifically when they're in the correct lineups, like in the fourth yeah. quarter, that type of stuff. Like, it's they're going to have to do a lot. Like, we were talking about the beginning of this. They're going to have to do a lot of helping in the beginning of games, like where Bam and Jimmy are going to have to cover up. But when they're it's down to the fourth quarter and they're in the lineups that they want to be in, I think they could find a base where they're like, okay, I could stay glued to this guy on the three-point line, and you yep. just have to do your job staying attached to that guy. And now all of a sudden, you're, it's basically going to be between making a good pass to your big and they have a shot at the rim or, or a floater, or you're taking a floater again to the rim. Like they'll, They could do stuff defensively where they could say, we want that shot only. Uh, and I have a feeling you're probably going to go to the, the three-point number next. So, and I don't even know what that looks yep. like or was last season. I, I see exactly what you're talking about here, and I, it's hard to disagree with you because I just think we both and, and and this is like I feel like we both are seeing this in a similar way when it comes to the defense because we we see um, the versatility with their with their roster 
And I agree with you. Like, I think that the mid-range stuff, the rim stuff is very encouraging. I think that what you're saying about the threes is bold, but I like it. I, I see where you're coming from for sure, because it's that's another thing that's been the running theme, right? Like with the the the, the shots at the rim, usually the trade-off is they're 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 helping off the shooters. And like you're saying, you think that mm-hmm. basically there's going to be times where in these lineups where let's say if you're if your closing lineup is Tyler. Jimmy Bam, and then two other um, perimeter slash wing defenders, Josh, Caleb, Highsmith, whoever's in there, in there, you only have to worry about overhelping or overstunting for one guy and everybody else you're kind of, you feel good about whatever the coverage is. So I get what you're saying there. So is that, so you're saying it's, it's going to be, cause they finished last season, second most threes allowed. You think they're going to be allowing fewer threes. That number is going to go down essentially. Okay. That would be my one. I mean, it's tough. I, I mean, I like this, this is an, this is another one of those though. How are we going to say more than, than second? Like, it's a tough. Like, this is an easy bet to go under, but I really do believe it. That I think they're eventually going to get to the point when healthy that they don't have to as much. And like sometimes they're, they're like, if Jimmy's on a certain guy where they purposely put him on somebody to help over, that's to help. Yeah. Like that's a different case. But when Jimmy's on in the end of a fourth quarter on somebody's best player. And you have maybe uh, Caleb in the corner guarding a corner shooter. They're going to stay home on that, or they yeah. could say, "Okay, Josh, hey, I Smith, whoever, you that you just do your job. Bam, you contain to the best of your ability, and weak side stays home too. And we kind of just give up the middle of the floor. Like I could just see them getting to that certain points in the season, where now is it's like as an offense, you're forced into those inefficient shots, or maybe now I could go back to say the mid range shots. Maybe the mid range shots are a little more now." Because maybe it goes in the opposite direction in those lineups specifically because they're like, okay, I can get to this little sidestep mid-range. But still, those are tough shots that you're forcing them into. So once again, this is like totally projecting and on paper stuff. And obviously, we're going to see stuff. There's going to be counters throughout a game and throughout a season. But I just think in general, we might see certain points where there's maybe less threes attempted. Or specifically, I wonder what if we could pull a stat after – probably after this. But how many threes they were attempted – like. Look, allowing in the fourth quarter because i wonder if that was like a, a different it maybe that's like a different number because if that's the For case sure. i think that one's going to be way less i see what you're saying so the one thing i will counter with is that if you're if you're helping off less if you if you're not helping as much um away from the shooters and you're staying home like you're saying which i agree with i, I think it's a good idea when you have those lineups out there um, to kind of switch up the game plan a little bit, throw teams off and just play into your strengths. Completely feel that. If you're doing that, how are you also contest, I mean, um, allowing less shots at the rim? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the issue. No, you're right. But, but, but what you're saying, though, is overall it might be. No, it, I do think you're right, though. About those lineups that that would allow less threes. I think I would say there's probably more shots at the rim now that I think of it. Just because of that and the stuff that I was talking about before with the initial lineups where it's like funneling everything to Bam where there's those two-on-ones that we were saying Bam could kind of rack up some blocks. Yeah. Whereas like I think there will be more shots at the rim. And the way – I mean this is obviously – The mid-range is what goes up basically. They're they're allowing more of those mid-range shots and teams to take those those shots in the middle of the, of the area. I mean the middle like, of the – Yeah, like, like those short floaters. But maybe it is more yeah. at the rim as well. And maybe it's just trying to force – inefficient shots at the rim and saying 
Bam is that good, even though Bam's biggest strength maybe not be interior defense in general. Like I think Bam is maximized by doing everything, which is why he's yeah. going to do everything. He's going to be mixed around everywhere. This is not going to be a linear thing where he's sitting and drop and just contesting shots and trying to get some blocks. Like that's not what mm-hmm. this is. But I think like we're like we're saying, we're I think we're we focused on that starting lineup at the beginning, and now we're kind of thinking about like the closing lineup, whereas in a closing lineup, I think that's what they'll tell Bim more so instead of like switching out as much, which people hated. And then now you're worried about the rebounding and all this stuff, because you're probably going to be in a much smaller lineup. Like you don't have Kevin love at the end of a game. You're going to be in a smaller lineup that you're going to need rebounding. I just think there's points now where they, they don't have to switch Bam out at the end of a game. Whereas before they did as much as people criticize what they did with Bam and switching him out. I personally believe that they had to do it a lot of the time because they, they had guys that were going to have real trouble on the perimeter that they kind of had to cover that up and cut that, that head of the snake off. Whereas now maybe they don't have to do as much. Maybe it makes things a little easier for Bam, but Bam's still going to be doing everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's going to put together a hell of a, a hell of a resume for defensive player of the year this season. As you said, especially they're going to be funneling more to the paint for him, which I agree with. Like it makes sense. You have more, you can do more with this season. And I think that's kind of what we come down to. So um, I've got three more. We're going to do these rapid fire for real. Um, they finished fourth in defensive rebound percentage. The Heat did. So as far as, you know, them being so small and terrible at rebounding, which felt like was a narrative for a lot of people because of, you know, the height of the team, especially when they were starting last season, Kyle and Caleb, and then Gabe and Caleb and those types of lineups along with Tyler. They were small, but they did a damn good job making up for it on the defensive boards. Do you think that number will go up um, or down? This is one of those random stats, too, that you can't really predict. I feel like it's kind of game dependent, but I probably would go under. I would go less than. I think that would probably that number goes down a little bit. I know you said rapid fire, but really quickly, like being in zone, I think specifically makes rebounding yeah. harder. And that's why I think a lot of the time the guys struggle because you can't find a body and that stuff happens. And if you're in those, even though Thomas Bryant, I feel like has been a good rebounder, there's going to be those moments where they could have slippage. At yeah. the end of the games, the lineups we're projecting are going to be smaller. So maybe the rebounding goes down a little bit. There's just certain the points. But then there's the counter was what we were just explaining and saying that maybe Bam doesn't switch out as much. But once again, let me just say Bam switching out a ton. But maybe yeah. not as much. Maybe exactly. that helps the rebounding a little bit. But I'm still going to go less than – even because you look down the line, like who's subbing in for these guys when they go out? Like if there's – there's like it's not like they're going to these big lineups when these – like when the guys go out. And even if like Love goes out and you have to put in Jovic, Jovic is not an above average rebounder where you're like saying the rebounding is going to go crazy when he goes out. So it's like they Kevin Love as much as we talk about what Kevin Love is providing the rebounding really is a big thing and the the outlet passing as much as people talk about that like they need his rebounding they do at least at certain points in the game to kind of get them in the right spot yeah this is a one that I've had the most trouble like deciding on because fourth and defensive rebound percentage is really good um and you know you know having love for the full season and having more defensive wings that you feel good about um I think will help with the group rebounding um, strategy that they take it on. So I'm kind of undecided on this. It's a cop-out answer because I think fourth is really good. And I feel like they got, you know, they kind of helped themselves with what they did as far as comparing to last season um, with the rebounding side. But like you said, and, and I think if like, like, like you said, if you're switching a little bit less, I mean, you're still going to be switching a lot, but if you're switching a little bit less, if you're zoning a little bit less, that 
I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up. I'm going to say this is probably going to be the only one we disagree on. And I don't even feel that strongly about it. But I'm going to say third, even though that's extremely high. I, I feel like they helped themselves, but I might be wrong about this. Next one. They finished fourth in turnover percentage. And we that was one that I think was was there by the eye test. Is like everybody could, could see that this team was really good at forcing turnovers. And that was part, a big part of their defensive formula that got them up there in you know defensive rating and all that. Do you think that number goes up or down? I will quickly say up. I'm watching Josh in the preseason, the stuff that he can do on ball and like running into screens and stripping it and diving on the floor. Haywood getting more minutes adds to it. Um, Jimmy is a walking <laughs> opposing turnover percentage guy. Just the fact yep. that he could just easily do that stuff, even though Bam, Bam may not get the numbers that show that he's forcing turnovers, but he's forcing turnovers because of this Absolutely. other stuff that he does that doesn't end up in a stat sheet. I know people always talk about that, like not ending up in a stat sheet, but that's the reason it does it because he's forcing turnovers and forcing certain plays and shots or passes or stuff yep. like that that forces them into that stuff. But I just think the lineups that we're kind of thinking about, I really – that's kind of always going to be their home defensively. Even though we talk about principles and rotations and all that stuff, the turnovers is why – the turnovers is the reason why that we talk a lot about transition offense because – they have the ability to be a high usage transition team, but they just don't have like the actual ability to be good in transition. Finishing. It feels like most of the time, yeah, like finishing plays, executing that stuff. But yeah, I think the turnover percentage is something that that'll be their their kind of mainstay. And finally, I'm sorry for this taking so long. Um, you know, Ethan is you know the E stands for efficient man. He's he's really good at what he does. He's a different type of talent. I realize it every time. The rare times I get to host, so. The last stat we've got here is kind of surprising to me because I, I remember keeping up with this last season, but I, I didn't remember that they finished so poorly in this because all these most of these stats have been really, really good as far as their defense. The Heat allowed the 25th worst effective field goal percentage. And the only difference effective field goal percentage is from regular field goal percentage that it weighs the three a little bit more. So it's basically accounting for the increased three-point volume of the modern NBA era. And so what do you think, Brady? Um, they, like I said, they finished 25th in effective field goal percentage. So that basically has to do with, you know, the, the way that teams are finishing on them, not necessarily at the rim, but just like they're converting. They're, teams hit threes against them. Teams hit mid-range shots against them. And teams finished at the rim against them. So like even though like we liked the profile, they were not necessarily elite at defending the um, when you talk about the percentages that other teams finish shooting at. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it'll this you said it was a cop and answer for. I think this might be a cop and answer because I th I think it'll be right where it is. Like as much as I say they may like allow a couple little bit less threes because of staying home at the end of a game, which may not alter it much, but it's gonna alter it a little bit. They like teams will probably shoot a similar at a similar clip just because of everything else that is going on defensively that we've already talked about. And even forgetting schematics, can we like talk about the fact that there's always like these random role players and random guys that just randomly just shoot really well against Miami? Can that be added into this effective field goal percentage? Like that needs to be noted. I think that's, that's a part of it. I think that's a part of why is. because they allow so many threes. And so you have these nights where like we see it all the time watching every game and being at every game. You got these guys going off that you don't expect because they're just not too worried about them. So you would think that if they're not, if you know, again, in the grand scheme of things, it might not be a huge amount. But if they're, you know, if they're not helping quite as much, 
if they've got better defensive versus that, you would think that number will go up, but it's it's a little bit hard to say. It's a little bit hard to say. So are you undecided? I would say I'm gonna say I'm breaking even in 25. I think it'll be okay. like I think it'll be like late like mid to late 20s. Like that's kind of Ish Smith is now a, a hornet. Okay, the, that effective field percentage Ooh. is down the drain. Okay, that's four that, losses. That's four. That's <laughs> scheduled losses. That's right four. There. That's four seventy percent uh, effective field goal percentage nights. Like we, that's what this is accounting for. But yeah, um, you know what? I'm gonna say. I guess this will be the second one I technically disagree on, but it won't be by much. I think it'll it'll be a little better. It'll probably be in the twenties, early twenties. I think, um, just from you know the stuff we talked about. I think, I just think overall the defensive like versatility is better, and it ends up kind of making this exercise a little bit less fun because I feel like I'm going better on on like all of them. Oh, I actually just realized I forgot one. So let's do this last one, and then we're out of here, guys. I promise. No more advanced stats. The Heat. Finished seventh in a pros in opposing free throw rate. Up or down? Mm. I mean, I think they're they'll probably allow a good amount of free throws. I think so. So they're so you're saying seventh means they were seventh best? That they allowed oh, the yeah. seventh the seventh most or the seventh fewest fewest? Fewest, I believe. Let me double check that because now I'm second guessing. Well, what, do you, what do you what th- do you do? Do you think in general? Why I check this that they foul more or foul less? I think they they foul more probably just because of the the aggression and the physicality of their defenders. Like as much as we could say and talk about the Josh being a good defender, Haywood being a good defender, these guys going around the screens, more being more aggressive around screens and being like these screen navigators means you're probably going to make contact more. Means you're probably going to get called for. When you're attached to the hip, they're going to bump you and you're going to get called for a foul. As opposed uh, to switching, which is not as physical, you're saying. Yeah, you're like where you're just flattening things out and then all yeah. of a sudden you, a team is attacking a switch, backing it down, making a pass. Like it's a lot simpler. And then it sounds terrible, but... but yeah, they the fouled the seventh team. least, just to confirm. Okay, so... When you, when you s- compare it to um, amount of field goals taken, by the way, it's a ratio. Which Free throw rate is a ratio that compares um, amount of free throws taken to field goals. So according to that stat, Heat filed the seventh least. So it's basically so would, accounting for their slow pace. So that goes up, in my opinion. I think that goes up a little bit just because of the physicality and stuff they just talked about. And to finish off, it said it sounds terrible, but Duncan Robinson's getting more minutes, and he is always <laughs> going to get called for fouls. Like I'm thinking yeah, about that specifically. Yeah, he's he he's going to put a hand on you once in a while, and they're going to call it. They are def they don't shy away from calling that immediately. So. I, I definitely they think don't. that is one area. I think that's probably my most confident answer. I think that one goes up a little bit. I'm with you there. You sold me into it because I wasn't really sure about that one. But you sold me. I, I think it's true. If you're going to be doing that, fighting over screens more, it's more physical. Um, I agree with the Duncan part. Uh, I mean, you know what I will say about Love is I, I you think he'd kind of factor into this. You think he'd be out of place a lot trying to, like, you know, recover on the show and recover or – you know, maybe trying to to fill the gaps on defense, but he was actually pretty damn good at that in the playoffs. And maybe it was, you know, some of those bigger lineups that they were facing that definitely helped with that matchup wise. But I think in general, Love did a good job filling the gaps. And that's I feel like that's one where like a full season of him, I would have expected him to maybe contribute. But I'm not as that, that's a random thing. That's not really as important. Overall, I I think they're gonna foul a little bit more. I agree with you. And that's it, guys. I, no more I ran out of defensive stats here i think it's a hard one to quantify overall so i did my best to try to break it down into aspects of defense um 
but honestly, this was fun. You know, we really got to dig deep when Ethan isn't here. It's it's not as it's not as structured and organized, which I don't know how Ethan does it without even preparing for the show, how he keeps it so organized and efficient. It's truly incredible. Anyways, Ethan will be back soon. Thank you, Brady, for joining me. Shout out Rock Esports. Once again, I'm gonna tell everybody, make sure to come out on Friday for the Heat Celtics game. Big game. It's a really big space, really nice space. And um come register for the 2K tournament, which is gonna be right after the game. We're gonna do I'm, I'm gonna do a quick podcast hit after the game and that's going to be a live pod going forward not this time because ethan won't be there unfortunately i'm going to be hosting but um the tournament is going to start as soon as the game ends it's going to be a fun time and like i said we're going to be doing this going forward shout out rock esports center shout out manscaped and once again look out for our other episodes we did one yesterday on the pat riley interviews um you know with bradley beal saying what he said to to mark spears we did another one the other day on the offense we did another one the day before on the drew smith decision and lowry starting and how we feel about that so if you've missed any of those go check it out and also just to prepare everybody as you know as we've talked about before the windows service will be shutting down at the end of this month and at the start of next month november 1st we're going to have our off the floor discord server set up for everybody there's going to be a lot more content it's going to be the same stuff we were giving you on off the floor except a lot more um so expect that there's going to be added video and writing content from our heat group here. There's going to be um, group chat channels for you guys to interact with each other. We'll obviously be chiming in there as well. So you'll be interacting with us more. There's going to be different channels on there and we'll give you more specifics when it comes out, but there's just going to be a lot more ways to interact with the fellow heat fans on here. That isn't quite as toxic on Twitter. Um, you know, everything is streamlined and everybody's familiar with discord, man. Discord is, is the wave and I'm, I'm excited for the, the added stuff that we're going to be giving you the group chats, everything that's coming along with it, all the content. So look out for that. I promise you I'm done talking now and Ethan will be hosting soon. Thank you all for tuning in and have a good day. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc